Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and I uh, hope you liked my podcast last week um, or my last podcast on the uh, top 10 findings of the ASX shareholder survey from 2017 and I thought, uh, as I mentioned in that last one, I thought I'd keep going and and, and uh, do a few more things and just show you, highlight or highlight some of the areas that people make mistakes on because as we know, most people get it wrong. And what I'm trying to do is help you avoid doing that by giving you some insights and understanding in human behavior and human psychology. And this survey really highlights that so that uh, we can take that information. But uh, as I say, information gained and not used is pretty useless. So if you're not following what we're talking about and what we're teaching you and what you're reading in my book, then it's pretty useless. Why did you read the book or why are you listening? Um, and you really do need to do that. Now, I mentioned last last podcast that I thought uh, that the survey was done on 4,000 people and, and I've just I've read over it a bit and I found that it, that it said the 2017 edition of the study has been prepared by Deloitte Access Economics. Okay, so that's one thing I wasn't, I knew it was Deloitte's, but not sure which one. Um, and the ASX have been doing this since 1986, I said somewhere in the 80s, so that was okay. Um, and this study is based on an online survey, 4,000 individuals as a representative uh, sample of the Australian adult population. And the focus is on Australian adults that invest outside their institutional superannuation fund arrangements. So that's sort of on the executive summary of this report. Um, and it goes on to say the investment landscape has become more sophisticated over time. Yep. And while Australia has ranked well against global measures of financial literacy, there is scope to improve. I'd say there's a lot of scope to improve. Um, the Australian investors' portfolios are not well, very diversified, and their awareness of financial products decline quickly outside of shares. I'll say that again. This is in their report. Australian investors' portfolios are not very diversified and their awareness of financial products declines quickly outside of shares. I don't think it's that great in shares either. Um, but at the same time, the investment industry may not be encouraging with uh, engaging with the investors as well as they could be. I also agree with that. Some of the survey findings may challenge existing industry perceptions of investors. I would agree with that. Uh, and there's an opportunity for the invest industry to change and become more responsive to its client customers, which I think they should be, and, and help deliver more improved financial outcomes for Australians and the economy. Totally agree with all of that. And to me, again, the, the clear thing here is investors aren't diversified and they don't really understand investing. 
really that's what that summary says to me. So let's look at a couple of other things. And as I said, this is an 84-page report. So as I said in my first podcast, 84 pages. I'm not going to go through all of those um, because it's not all necessarily relevant, just the summaries are. Um, It goes on to, in the first part of the report, it talks about investment ownership trends. Now, the level of ownership of on-exchange investments, which I explained last time was ASX is an exchange. So on the ASX, you can buy stocks, you can buy options, you can trade ETFs, those sort of things, and it's listed on an exchange. So the level of ownership of on-exchange investments uh, or investment products are bought and sold through that financial exchange. So it's interesting, uh, it says here on the report, however, investing is becoming more common among young people, which we talked about. And so that's doubled as we talked about a little bit earlier. So the profile of the Australian investor is three-fifths or 60% of Australian adults directly hold investments in some sort of investments not um, available on a financial exchange, okay, Um, outside of their institutional funds. So investment structures used as a proportion of the adult population. So what we're talking about, the what it's talking about here is what structures do people use to invest in, okay? So now we're looking at, you know, whether you buy and sell on exchange, but how do you do that? So since the share of the adult population holding investments is 60%, um, 51% of those people hold it in a personal capacity, meaning they hold it in their own name. So they buy and sell BHP in their own name, or they buy and sell investment properties in their own name. That's what they're doing. Um, 15% invest in self-managed super funds. So 15% of Australians' adult population invest in self-managed super. 10% invest in family trusts, and I have a family trust as well, and have investments through that. And 7% invest in company structures, and I have that too. So I've got a self-managed super fund, a family trust, and companies. Um, I do that. So I actually don't invest in my personal capacity. Interesting, isn't it? So, and I know a lot of people who are fairly well off who never invest in their own name. Uh, there's lots of tax benefits uh, to do that, but um, that's not the, the um, what do you call it, the uh, intent of this podcast, just to talk a little bit about this ASX shareholder survey. So but 51% of Australians hold investments in their own name, um, which it probably doesn't surprise me. I thought it might have been a little bit higher, but anyway. Um, now we're looking at the next page of it. It's talking about the rise in self-managed super funds and also about risks. And that's really what I wanted to focus on. It's about your attitude to risk. Because I'd find a lot of investors don't understand risk. They don't understand how much risk they're taking or how little they're taking. And I find that's the case a lot with investors, you see, or sorry, not traders, if from want to, or active investors. I find a lot of people buy the worst stocks on the market, which are the highest risk stocks, even though they're low risk investors. Because that's what I was talking about on my last podcast is often I find people are incongruent with what their outcomes are, what they're wanting. Most people are wanting a risk-free return or a low-risk return, but want high returns. And the two don't go together. You want high returns, you're going to take higher risk. That's just what's going to happen. If you want low risk, then you're going to get low returns and you're just going to have to suck it up, if they say, as, as they say. But let's have a look at self-managed super funds. Now, the self-managed super funds have become more popular. And as a study found, 30% of investors that don't currently use them um, are going to set one up in the future. Now, self-managed super fund investors, it says here, are long-term focused. That's interesting. The ones I know aren't necessarily long-term focused. Um, But it's in line with the purpose of superannuation. Obviously, long-term, depending on how old you are right now, 
but the investments within them don't have to be long term. But the theory is behind a superannuation fund, also SMSF, is that you are building your retirement. So it would depend on how long you've got to retire. Now, their top investment goal is saving for retirement. Obviously, that makes sense, doesn't it? It's almost a duh. And they are also more likely to use professional advice than the average investor, citing the advantage of a tailored advice and the complexities of tax and administrative procedures as their main reasons for doing so. Eh, I don't know. It doesn't take much to learn about a self-managed super fund, so but that's okay. Um, they're, they're using advice. And advice can be in the form of having a, a specific self-managed super fund platform, I would suggest, with information and education around how to manage that. But obviously, having a good accountant is an advisor, and I do have a good accountant, so having those people around you for taxation and everything else. So I would sort of agree with what that statement is. Um, similar to Australian investors, more broadly, self-managed super funds are invested heavily in cash, shares, and property. Though the, stake, the, though the case study on Class Limited, okay, I have to look at that one, revealed that some SMSF investors are also interested in alternatives such as crowdfunding and peer-to-peer lending. And I'm not sure why you do that because you don't want, that's more higher risk. It's a lot more higher risk than just using shares and property. So now let's get into the attitude to risk. Now it says here Australians are risk adverse by global standards. I'll say that again. Australians are risk adverse by global standards. A global investment survey found that only 29% of Australian investors are prepared to increase their risk profile for the opportunity to earn more income, compared to 66% of investors globally. This is from a Leg Mason report, looks like, in 2015. The study finds that nearly 70% of all Australian investors are seeking stable, reliable, or guaranteed returns. So I'll say 70% of all Australian investors are seeking stable, reliable, or guaranteed returns. This risk aversion is particularly strong among young investors. That's surprising to me. Challenging the stereotype that older people are more risk adverse than young people. This also reflects that young investors higher aversion to loss. This may be related to the economic environment that the younger cohorts have grown up in, witnessing the impact of the global financial crisis in their formative years. At the same time, relatively low financial knowledge and financial experience may also be driving this degree um, of cautiousness. Now, that's really surprising. The other thing is, is obviously older people who got hit by the GFC have become more risk tolerant, knowing they've got to take higher risk because they didn't either didn't plan or they believed in the managed fund industry prior to the GFC and then they got hit because they're very buy and hold and so they've been playing catch-up games so they've become more risk-friendly um, over the past 10 years. And I've seen a lot of people like that. They've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars during the GFC and they're investing in things that are a lot more higher risk and obviously higher return than in order to play catch-up uh, So from that point of view. But that really is interesting that younger people are more risk-adverse and so... Um, and in my mind, they can't be. Because with today's dates, or in today's um, environment with housing prices so high, the percentage of household income that you need to use to purchase or get into property, a lot of them are still wanting to buy property 
um, obviously for a family home as they you know create their own families and you really do need to get leveraging into your life because and I've been saying this for 20 years superannuation will never help you retire that well it's what you do outside of your superannuation that will and you need to be mindful if you are paying your, your employees paying 9% or 9.5 now and I think it's going to go to 11 um, over the coming years and really that's that's okay but that's just an existence it really would just be in existence. Pensions are getting uh, less and less relevant nowadays and do not ever rely on a pension. Uh, so you need to be investing outside of your super and you need to be investing in products that are riskier because, and I'm not saying take high risk, I'm just saying knowledge is the enemy of fear and people fear losing and when, when they're fearing losing, then they go back to risk-adverse products and risk-adverse products are bank-turned deposits, you know, bonds, and they're dead. You're not going to get a return on them. So you do need to get into the stock market. And the stock market is going to deliver lots of returns over the coming years if you learn how to do that. And what you need to consider is what is it costing you by not doing it? And that's the thing is a lot of people talk about our courses and saying, oh, you know, I'd love to do one of your courses, but, you know, the, you know your tuition fee. But they look at the tuition fee as an expense, and it's not. And a tuition fee is never an expense, it's an investment. And the thing is, is when you look at it, the, the cost of not having that knowledge now, what's it costing you in compounding returns down the track? You know, you might be making 5 or 10% because the average investor wants 5 to 7%. That's what they want. If we can teach you to double that, compound it yourself. If we're getting you 15% or sharing with you how you can get 15% for yourself, you don't have to be Einstein to work out that in five to ten years, you're not only paid for your tuition fee, but you're miles in front, miles in front. And then by 20 and 30 years, you, you've, you're creaming the crop because of that law of compounding. So invest in yourself first so that you're not um, one of those people that doesn't know how to diversify, who's also adverse to risk, who doesn't really understand risk. Because education really is the key. Um, and as I said, I'll do some more in this report. I'm not going to go any further into this report today, but I will do some more on this report um, over the coming weeks. Maybe not next week, but over the coming weeks, I'll pull out some other stuff that's very, very relevant because it really does highlight our financial ignorance as, an, as a country. And, and it says there, Australians are completely different to the rest of the world. You go to the America, they're not. They're nowhere near as risk adverse as what we are, and it's holding us back. So you just have to ask yourself the question, where do you want to be in one to five years' time or ten years' time with your investing? Do you want to be where you are today, or would you rather be further down the track? And the end of the time, at the end of the, the day, you need to make that decision, because from today you can do something, do nothing, or you procrastinate. And if you've been procrastinating about doing something, maybe now's the time to do something so that you can have the returns and the lifestyle that you choose down the track. That's it for me. Um, you've been listening to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.